Above and Beyond, The Real Estate Show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Above and Beyond Real Estate Show. My name is Ralph Ciancio. I've got a very, very special guest today, Ms. Carly DeBeer, and we're going to be talking about how she was able to get from homeless, <laughs> almost homeless, to seven properties or seven doors, we call it in the business, uh, within a really short period of time. And uh, so I'm excited to have Carly on the show. I'm happy Carly, to be welcome. Here. Carly uh, is a, a, an amazing realtor, licensed realtor. Um, she works in our office as our office manager, client care specialist, and really keeps control of everything that goes on within the uh, the four walls of our office and the four walls of our client's home. So it's uh, it's great to have her here. She's going to be sharing some. Uh, some insights and uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. They unchained me from my desk for the day, so that's nice. You know, I'm like healing the scars on my ankles, but that's another story. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love where I work. You know, I fill many roles, just like you said. Um, you know, one that you didn't mention that I'm also the office therapist. I have yes. two chairs in front of my desk for which, when everyone's having a good day or a bad day, I get to celebrate with them or help them through a hard time. So amazing. It's like well, the you know best what? job ever. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. I disagree, but thank you. I, think I so, appreciate certainly. the compliment. But also <laughs> one of the one of the biggest hearts of anybody I've ever met before, thank you. and that's I think your superpower. Generally, I find people are really really smart, kind of like Sheldon from um, Big Bang Theory, where they're like super smart but miss that that uh, empathy or mm. you know emotional intelligence, and or they're really really emotionally sharp but then miss out on data or numbers or something you know that different part of the brain. And I think that you celebrate both, so that's oh, uh, thank you. That's amazing. So uh, Thanks, before Ralph. we get into to your story i just wanted to break down because it was a busy two weeks to start off uh the month of september we did see a rate announcement from the bank of canada mm -hmm. and we did see Big a one. release of the toronto real estate board market watch um so i just want to break down the numbers for some of the viewers out there that are are looking for some market insight as to what's going on so again market watches report comes out every month it's designed by the toronto real estate board to break down the numbers so that you know, realtors can understand where the market is at. But now in the age of Google, where everything is accessible, most people can get access to this report just by Googling market watch. So again, when we look at the sales for the month of August, we did see a uh, decrease compared to last year. So we saw a 34% drop in the number of transactions. Now here's the thing. When we look at the number of sales and compare it to last year, that tells one story. But we believe that the value that we can bring to the marketplace is not simply the, the information regurgitation. We want to bring context. So I went back and I looked at the month of August and I compared it to 2021, 2020, 2017, all the way back to 2015. And I'll tell you, the number of transactions that took place in this previous August, the month we just finished, was basically on par with the month of August that we've seen every August up until COVID hit. So really, except for the last two years, it's a normal market out there. It's a normal August. And that was a little bit refreshing for us because, you know, COVID itself kind of threw our cycle of when to be ready for, you know, high volumes, really threw it through a loop. But it does not mean that the market is collapsing. When you see the data, that 34% drop in sales, you know, that's the media spinning it in a way that puts fear in buyers and sellers' minds thinking there's a collapse. There's mm -hmm. no collapse. We are actually at the level that we are normally at. Like a homeostasis of sorts. Exactly. It's like the normal balance of, mm. of a market. And when we look at the average sale price, we're actually up 1% 
compared to last year and up half a percent compared to last month. So those numbers are green. Mm -hmm. We are seeing appreciation. And I think we're going to we're going to see that trend carry on. I do think that the fall market will carry on, um, you know, with some strength. I don't think it'll be crazy, but we, we don't really want crazy. We want stable, steady. positive, steady growth mm -hmm. uh, in terms of Bank of Canada announcements. So they came out with the most recent rate increase of 75 basis points. And what that means is that if you are on a variable rate mortgage, likely your payments would have gone up because the interest rates have gone up now all the way to 3.25% as prime. The reality is only 70% uh, of people in Canada have mortgages. 30% actually don't have a mortgage at all. 70%? 70%. And now from the 70% of Canadians that have a mortgage, only 60% of them are 60% uh, of them are on a fixed rate and 40% are more. on a variable rate. Yeah, more, more people on a are, fixed rate. Absolutely. People that like security. Me. People like security. That they want to know. Hmm. Um, and so really this increase in the interest rate is not going to cause a collapse in the market. It's going to cause a, a reshuffling of some people's budgets. Mm -hmm. And we hope that inflation starts to calm down with some of these measures by the Bank of Canada. Personally, I predict that there will not be any more interest rate hikes for the balance of this year and i still remain that i believe in the first quarter of next year so 2023 i believe interest rates are going to start coming downward so again if you were to buy a home right now and you bought it at the higher end of your affordability i do recommend leaving a little bit of wiggle room just in case yeah but i expect that later on in your second third all the way to fifth year on the term rates will come down and you'll be living large yeah, and you'll get a discount, love. right, yeah. <laughs> on the house. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. if you can buy now, you get a discount on the house. A few years down the road, then you're end up paying less payments, anyways, lower Ex payments, anyways. Exactly. Not less. And <laughs> you I still pay the same yeah. amount. Yeah. Or, of or some people will say, I'm going to make the same payments and actually have a greater proportion go to my my principal. Uh, yep. And pay off my debt a little sooner. Yeah, right? exactly. So one thing, another trend that we've seen in the marketplace, and I do believe is partly what's supporting an increase in sales, is the resurgence of the investor. So we are seeing rental rates really skyrocket. Crazy. If you talk to anyone that's been looking for a rental property, not only is it very difficult, but the prices have jumped drastically. And there's a lot of reasons why that's taken place. But what we've seen is that it's become now actually attractive for investors to come back to the market. Now, I was talking with someone this week and they said, yeah, but if interest rates are so high, why are investors who are generally business savvy or you know visionaries, why is it that they are able to, to jump into the market? And the reality is they see the fact that this rise, this spike in interest rates is a temporary thing and that we will see it balance and normalize over time. And, you know, an investor who's collecting great rents that can manage a cash flow, we've seen it for, you know, hundreds of years. Real estate's a great way to get wealthy in a, in a, in a slow, acceptable, planable, uh, predictable way. And that which brings us into a great conversation with Carly, which is really, I mean, Carly's a, a experienced realtor, so she knows what it's like to buy and sell properties, but she's also an experienced investor. And, and we were chatting uh, about her background and as she went from essentially from being homeless, from moving out uh, after university. Mm -hmm. I call it homeless state of mind. Homeless. I did live in a house. You were in a but house. But the state of mind, the feeling like you have no opportunity to buy a house or own your own house. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get from a homeless state of mind to, I believe, a very successful 
entrepreneur and a very successful real estate investor. Tell us a little bit about your story. So thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know I went to the University of Guelph, just like Ralph. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that when I graduated university, that I was like the world was going to be at my doorstep, that people were just going to be banging on my door saying, come work for me, come work for me. And like there was going to be houses. I was going to have a nice place to live, like, you know, some dogs, a cat, maybe kids. I'm not sure exactly, but who knows? I thought the world was literally just going to be right outside my door. And uh, when I graduated, shocker, <laughs> nothing happened, Spoiler you alert. know, and um, that's kind of where I felt like, you know, this homeless state of mind where I don't have opportunity to grow, can't afford my own house. I don't have a job like, you know, what prospects do I have? And then slowly, you know, I worked in many different industries. <laughs> I have a little bit of commitment issues for a while when it comes to, you know, finding a career. I think you just like learning personally. You know what? That's the problem. I think That's you just love learning. Yeah. <laughs> I know lots of things. Manufacturing, dog grooming, you got a dog. I'll, you know, you give it. your dog a haircut. Um, but yeah, I guess over time, you know, my husband and I, we were super frugal and we were able to save up a little bit of money. And my parents, one day I was looking at a magazine, I remember in Subway and uh, we were, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a house magazine. Like we're thinking about buying a condo. And they were like, oh, like we'll lend you some money. And I said, wait sorry sorry what yeah. <laughs> you'll lend me some money for the down payment and that was just like it just set it off right there we bought a pre-construction condo back when they were three hundred and forty thousand for a one plus den like what like you can't even those things don't exist anymore yeah. you know none of the gta anyways yeah. Right? yeah and that was in richmond hill so we were like we're moving to the boonies we're yeah. moving from <laughs> young and egg up to richmond hill it felt like we were moving just, you know, right next to the cows, yeah. which we weren't, of course, there's no cows in Richmond Hill. But, um, you know, from there, we even rented out our den. We like, you know, frugal to the day that we die. We're like, we're not going to so live you, in this. You apartment. rented out your den yeah. to someone else? Yeah. Just random? Martin's brother lived there. So it's so, kind of random. Yeah. No, just I mean, like, we, we love, love him. him. We, we love him. him. He's yeah. practically Martin's twin. Like yeah. if anyone knows Marinas, they look exactly alike. But that's pretty, pretty entrepreneurial for you to see an opportunity where you had space that you weren't using. You thought, why not? you know, let, let your brother-in-law help contribute to what was a big mortgage at the time in your eyes yeah. at that time. Now it felt we look like back. so much money. Yeah. Like, you know, even it was like maybe $1,500 a month or maybe 17 with the maintenance fees, but it felt like so much money at that time making just above minimum wage. You know, my husband was working in construction, um, still is to a certain degree. And, um, yeah, so we rented that out. And then a year later, somehow like people never made money from condos. It was like a thing, like people didn't make money from condos and the market just boomed when it come, went to condos and we made enough money to sell that house and buy, um, a detached house that need significant renovations. We didn't know exactly how much it needed before we bought it. And then that we bought, bought it. That means you bought a money pit. Yes, is exactly. We were <laughs> yeah. like, there were so many nights where we're like, we're lit we just lost everything. This one decision made us lose everything we worked so hard for, for almost a decade. And thankfully we made it through. Um, so grateful to everyone who helped us out. And then when we sold that property, we bought our first multifamily property in Aurelia. So that was a fourplex. Even when we bought that property, everything was going wrong. Like there was asbestos in the attic. There was like a broken pipe in the basement. There was no railing on the front deck. You know, like it's like to code, you have to have a railing. Like, why is there no railing? Tell me, I don't understand. But anyways, so this is a thing, like everyone glorifies real estate investing and you know, that it's gonna be easy money and tenants are gonna pay so much and they're, you know, 
but it's it is difficult you know to find the right tenants to find the right property and just to stick it out yeah, you know I, I i agree with you that it is difficult where i see the biggest challenge in in investing in real estate is the confidence you know being able to identify where there's an opportunity because if you listen to the theme in all your stories it was there was a challenge and you found a creative way to to solve it so you wanted to buy your first condo couldn't couldn't afford it and you know you found a way by asking parents or you know you know getting uh, some support from your parents for a down payment and that's a that's a, a low hanging way of solving a problem but for for a lot of people they just they can't Imagine how could this even be possible and you found a way mm. then you bought the property that you know You can call a money pit and you still found a way to solve all those problems and turn what was a challenge into really a great opportunity Yeah, and then you bought the the fourplex Which probably a lot of people walked through and said no, thanks. Yeah, it was and on the market for like more I think it was almost 90 days. Yeah, but you know opportunity is a state of mind, you know I don't know who said this. I don't know where this quote comes from But you know the harder you work the luckier you get yeah. You know, when you look at something that becomes a problem and like in the investing world, the whole problems equals profits is the most profound statement because the more people pass over things, yeah, it's hard. But like if you just take that little step, you know, do that one thing that someone else didn't want to do, you know, you just open up so many more opportunities, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then from that property, we owned it for a few years and then boom, like the real estate prices in Aurelia boomed so much that we refinanced that property and were able to buy another one. And so, still maintained ownership. So you still kept the fourplex, yeah. Yeah. refinanced. And for yeah. people that are, are, are maybe watching or listening to this, wondering, you know, the process of refinancing is you reapproach your lender and say, hey, I want you to reappraise the property and I want to borrow against any of the, the gains. So for example, if it's gone up, four hundred thousand dollars which is, is pretty well what it i think it, yeah what it was, we thought right? it was like a joke like we're like we're gonna try for 1.1 like and we're like nah but we just wanted to buy something else so yeah. you were like maybe maybe it's possible yeah so yeah you're right so what you were able to do is find a place where there was you know opportunity to collect four rent checks under one roof which mm -hmm. is amazing mm -hmm. and uh, that created enough cash flow as the rents were able to go up and the property appreciated you drew more a higher mortgage on the same property mm -hmm. and use that as an asset, which is not your money. You know, we call it OPP, uh, OPM, uh, other people's money, yeah. right? And uh, that's one of the best ways to create leverage, right? And you were able to successfully do that. And then from there, you bought another property? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were really lucky. I mean, like you said, you know, with the refinance, it was pretty much free money. Like we refinanced at 1.1. Which was crazy, you know, like now everyone is, you know, very up in arms about 3.25%. But I am, when we first got the condo, 3.5% was like, you know, that felt like free money. Um, but anyways, yes, now we have the second property, which is a triplex. But no one wanted to buy that property either because technically when we bought it, it was a single family home with two self-contained units and a granny suite. So it was technically not a, a triplex. So we took a chance buying that property and now we're super lucky. We actually rezone it to a fourplex. That was last week. That's amazing. Yeah, last week. So now we can have four properties, like four units in that um, legally. Well, you know, according to the city, it was always yeah. like, you know, legally in terms of fire code and everything yeah. like that. But yeah, it's just crazy. You know, no one wanted to take a chance and we took a chance and yeah. it, it really worked out. Yeah. And you know what I love about your story is that each of the properties you bought, so
so many people had said no to. And, I, and when we're talking to people, whether they're trying to buy, a, you know, a principal residence, a place for their family, or whether we're talking to an investor, you know, they're saying, well, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity. I'm just, I'm looking every day for new listings. And there's this kind of, this, this problem we have, I think, as a, as a culture where we're just waiting for the new one, right? Like iPhone 14 just came <laughs> out and it's the exact same, in my mind, exact same phone, but people are going to pay $1,500 it, to get rid more. of the 13 and buy the 14. It's because we need new, what's new, what's fresh, mm-hmm. as opposed to seeing how can I make something work? And there's way, way more profit. There's always more profit in finding a way to make something work than it is to buy the first of the new one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The first of the new one always comes across with a, with a premium. So in context, if someone, you know, again, I have appointments set up for the rest of the afternoon, I'm showing properties that are on the market for one, two, three days because that's the property that caught their attention. Mm-hmm. But is there a great opportunity on a home that was on the market for 60, 70, 80 days where you just have to look with a little bit of creativity, a little bit of problem solving to your point, Solving problems equals profits, and uh, and you don't find where's the opportunity within within that. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think you've done an excellent job in 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 finding opportunities, but then you know profiting from them. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's profiting for the future. You know, like every dollar that we get now, we're just reinvesting, whether it be you know in yeah. a different platform or in another house. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you and, know, and, and one opportunity. Thing, one thing, and I don't. Know, I hope it's not too personal, but one thing I. I I think is really inspiring about the way that you've constructed and planned your life. I think you have a very planned life, which I love. Um, you know, tell us about where do you live? Where do you sleep? Do you <laughs> I sleep own the in home someone else's in? rental property? <laughs> so you're actually a tenant in the area in which you want to live eventually, and you're an investor in the areas where you can profit. You know, from the investment vehicle. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's really inspiring. A lot of people think I need to buy a home where I can sleep and then buy an investment property. Mm-hmm. But you found a way to be a tenant in someone else's investment property. And then you now own seven, which is now eight doors. Is that right? No, it's three like plus seven point five. Yeah. Seven point <laughs> five, um, you know, doors. And I think that that's so inspiring. And and now if you think about it from a, from a mathematical perspective, I don't know your, you know, profit loss calculations, but I'm going to guess that you're able to collect enough rent from your investments to pay off your existing rent of where you sleep. So you collect rent from your tenants, put some in your pocket and give some to your landlord, which is really a mortgage free life. Really that's set for retirement. And best of all, that growth compounds every single year. Mm -hmm. You're getting wealthier as you sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like the most glamorous lifestyle, which I think is why some people don't choose it, you know, owning your own house, like in with Instagram and Facebook and all these things, like, you know, it becomes glamorous to have your own house. So living in a rental property is in something, you know, you put on your fridge. But yeah, I mean, we pretty much live for free because of the choices that we made, you know, mm-hmm. like the we can there's only so amount so much that you can have as a mortgage, depending on the amount of money that you make. And you can either make zero dollars. Well, you can make a passive appreciation from it as the market, you know, goes up in value while you sleep. Or you can buy something that you can actively, you know, make money on every single month from the tenants as well as the appreciation and then pretty much live for free in someone else's house. And and embedded deep somewhere, there's some great tax benefits as well Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, capital cost allowance, like the depreciation of the building. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways that you can create wealth. And another special 
element is that you can move money around. So you can, again, refinance an investment property to buy another investment property. And, you know, that and eventually if you choose to sell it one day, which, you know, in our discussions, never. you said you'll never sell a property. I'll never sell it. Yeah, yeah I agree. I <laughs> think you'll sell it after I die. <laughs> yeah, I think that we should hold real estate as long as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, buy the right real estate and hold it forever. You know, that's I think is the best way to accumulate wealth over time. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, once I pay off the mortgage 25 years from now, then they're just paying my retirement, you know. That's my, that's my RSP, right? Amazing. Which is nice. So amazing. So, you, so let me ask, I mean, I feel like you talked about some of the challenges. Was there one big challenge or one that you, you know, could speak to in terms of the process? Like for someone that's watching this right now and would love to follow in your footsteps, what, what is one thing you could maybe share as a challenge you had and how you're able to, you know, advise them to solve it? Yeah. I think just the idea of being uncomfortable, you know, like, we talked about, you know, owning your own house, owning your own condo, owning your own apartment, whatever it is, is the most glamorous thing to do. But if you just do something that's a little bit uncomfortable for a while, whether it's working in a career that's not, you know, that glamorous or that enjoyable, but you make more money in the short term to be able to afford something that can then make you more money in the long term, it just kind of sets you, you know, ahead. But, you know, at that time, you do have to make sacrifices. You might miss family dinners. You know, you might have to invite your friends over to an apartment that's really not so nice in a not so nice neighborhood. And um, but, you know, it's all worth it in the end. You know, five years from now, like five and five years ago, my life was like very different, you know, and now I'm super lucky to be where I am. And it was all because of the hard choices I had to make in the past. And and, and I know that you and I have spoken about this in the past that, you know, you've identified you told me that the most successful people in the world focus on deferred gratification. And I think that, you know, you've done a great job in saying, you know what, I want it all, but not right now. I'm going to have an amazing retirement, just not right now. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people who are really struggling in that rat race of our culture where they want everything right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a, a, a lot of profit in having it right now for somebody else. It's not your profit. I promise you that. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for, for being uh, on the show. Thank you so much for all that you do for everyone around you. I mean, myself included, certainly. But I'm not saying only thank you for the great things and, and help you've done for me, but for each and one, or one of our clients that, that you've connected with, everyone within the community. Honestly, everybody loves Carly. And, you know, there's the Everyone Loves Raymond show. <laughs> We're going to make T-shirts that says Everyone Loves Carly because, honestly, she's, uh, you know. I'm just going to make a shirt that says I love everyone. That's 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 how she, you know, she loves everyone and everything. She's, a, uh, you know, an animal person as well. And uh, she's actually made me like dogs, which is great. Yeah, and plants. Nice, got plants. I got a plant. That's a real plant. We're actually stole it shooting. from the office, Today, actually. we're shooting at our house. This is mine. my house right now. We're, we're filming in. <laughs> and that's my real plant. And I bought it. And I made a mistake because as soon as Carly saw it, she said, you bought a ficus? Uh, <laughs> and you put it in the wrong spot. <laughs> that's the wrong spot. It's not going to get enough it's light. It's going to die. Said, oh, and this is great. I, I screwed up. I bought one plant in 25 years and I bought the wrong one. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's okay. But I'll nurse it back to health. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll bring it when it's like like half dead. And, and <laughs> to uh, the office. Yeah. We have a, a triage for dead plants at the office mm-hmm. and Carly revives them. She's the plant whisperer. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, guys, thank you so much for watching. As usual, we want you to like, subscribe, and continue watching because and leave comments because we'd love the engagement. We'd love to know what are you thinking? What type of topics would you like us to discover or, or discuss uh, in the coming weeks? And uh, we look forward to connecting with you soon. Make it a great week ahead. Thanks again. Talk soon. See you.